welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Thank you for joining me. How are you this evening? I'm fine, Yuri. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm keeping warm and out of the pouring rain. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 getting rain um at the end of this week where where I am in South Carolina. So looking forward to that actually. Oh sure. Are you? Did you get hit? Re- well, actually, you did get hit by the hurricane pretty substantially a couple weeks ago is that correct yeah it was actually um there were two and it was actually kind of funny because um you know there's this big build up to florence um which came in on the north carolina coast we had friends staying with us um at our house that that live on the coast um they went back and their house was fine their neighbor's houses were not so fine and their daughter only went back to school yesterday um but um later on um you know just um um a few weeks later, Michael came in and, you know, we're just kind of watching it and it really wasn't nothing until suddenly it blew in as almost a category five. And that one hit much harder. Um, okay. We still didn't lose power or anything like that, but it, it definitely flooded our area. And, and there were uh, there was substantially more impact here than there had been with all of the hype around Florence. So uh, that was kind of interesting, but yeah. uh, not nearly as bad hit as, as Florida, though. So, um, right. you know, certainly. Um, you know, I know some people online that, uh, were, were very impacted by that. So, um, yeah. Well, good. Well, it's good to know it wasn't too rough on you. So I'd like to start this conversation by asking how you describe yourself and what you do. Um, well, I, I guess, uh, I, uh, describe myself most as a writer. Um, I, my day job is, uh, I'm a content marketer for a tech company up in Canada. Um, and so, uh, I'm responsible for, uh, doing a large, uh, portion of the writing. Um, I write white papers and case studies and blog posts and, uh, the occasional email here and there. Um, and then, uh, when I am, uh, not doing that on the nine to five, um, usually in the early mornings, I'm working on fiction. Um, so um, really writing is the way I process my world. It's the way I've always processed my world. It's something that like I've, I've walked away from it twice and come back to it. So um, it's, it's definitely uh, a big part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. So that's actually what I like to hear the most about. So you s- studied economics in college. Yes. And now you're in marketing and you also write on the side. I'd I'd so I'd like to start by asking why economics? <laughs> Uh, I actually had an Air Force ROTC scholarship for economics. Um, I had this very strange idea in my head. I, I still am not sure where this exactly came from, but uh, I um, wanted to investigate white-collar crime for the Air Force. Um, and a part of my uh, applying for my scholarship was writing an essay about um, investigating white-collar crime. And I guess it worked because I got the scholarship, um, except that um, – going through the the physical requirements um 
I have crazy high arches and didn't know it. And, and just one thing and another, I, I got too many running injuries to be able to survive in the Air Force. And I was discharged honorably. Um, so, um, you know, kind of floundered around for a few years after that happened. I finished my degree. Um, I didn't transfer majors or anything like that. I didn't see the point. Um, and then I went into tech support. Um, for three years, I worked on a help desk uh, at my alma mater, University of New Hampshire. Um, and then uh, that wasn't really doing it for me. It was just sort of um, I, I just couldn't see myself doing that for 20 more years, um, you know, even promoting, you know, advancement or anything like that. So I left. I became a freelance writer. Um, I had uh, been a law enforcement explorer in high school and college. Super nerdy. Um, and so what I did Wait, was I what, what's a uh, what's a law enforcement explorer? It's basically a uh, cadet program for okay. high school and college kids that are interested in a law enforcement career. So okay. I had done that for four years. And um, uh, when I got out of tech support, what I ended up doing um, was mashing up the two. Um, that was the year that 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. I, I had actually pitched a law enforcement magazine when I first started out and they liked my query and they accepted the idea. So I was writing on spec for them. Um, I my first article was published the month after 9-11. And um, right after that, just a few months later, the, the Homeland Security um, grant funding started pouring in. And there was a lot of technology that was being talked about for Homeland Security. And so um, so my editors um, at, at some point, I think I was assigned a tech article to write and they really liked what I did with it because I drew on that tech support experience of, you know, explaining very complex, complex, uh, um, complex uh, issues to people that didn't, um, you know, they weren't used to thinking that way. And so um, it, it kind of, you know, rolled from there. Um, I, I basically built my career on on writing uh, technical um, types of articles for, for trade magazines like that. Okay. Um, and then kind of cutting the long story short here, um, I ended up in, in uh, public relations and marketing for uh, vendors to the law enforcement community. So I sort of flipped where um, I was still writing about products, but doing it this time for the vendors instead of the sort of third party um, uh, trade magazine. Okay. So, yep. Sure. OK, so along this way, then you started writing fiction. Where did so did you have any, let's say, fiction writing experience before in college or earlier or did it something was something that developed while you were, you know, while your career was evolving? Yeah, Um, I I I honestly I I have to uh, I have to admit this. I wrote fan fiction when I was a kid. Uh, What kind of fan fiction? Star Trek fan fiction. Nice. Yes. Um, Do you, you have any still around? I don't. I think it's still back in my parents' house in New Hampshire. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did that. Um, and then I decided around college that I had outgrown it and I really wasn't doing that anymore. Um, and uh, I don't think I picked up fiction again until my second son was born in 2006. And then suddenly I just like these ideas started popping into my head and I started writing them down. And then, um, I was uh, reading a lot of crime fiction at the time. Um, 
And around that time period, 2006 to 2008, there were a fair number of online zines um, for crime fiction. And so um, I sent a couple of my pieces their way. There were a lot for uh, flash fiction in particular, which happened to be what I was writing. And um, I, I actually did get some published. So, um, you know, that kind of sparked my interest. And then um, around 2008, um I don't, I don't know what happened, honestly. I just kind of lost interest in the whole thing. Um, I, I think a lot of it was um, um, my writing had started to feel a little bit, um, not canned, but it all kind of started to sound the same to me. Um, you know, just like, oh, here's the bad guy of the week that I'm writing about. And, <laughs> you know, it was just, um, it, it just started to, to feel a little bit formulaic. And so I was like, ah, I'm not interested in this anymore. And I just, you know, got out of it. Um, and so that lasted from 2008 to about 2015 is when I picked it back up again. And again, it was the same kind of like ideas just started popping in my head and, you know, so, so here we are. Yeah. So when did you, well, I guess kind of switch over and start doing children's stories? Uh, total accident. Never intended to do that. Um, even now, most of my stuff trends very dark. Um, I, I just fin I finished a horror piece the other. I mean, I've been writing horror kind of yeah. consistently over the last couple of years. Um, the children's was the result of uh, volunteering actually at a wildlife sanctuary that's local to me. Um, I had been working with uh, baby raccoons. Um, I had gotten the chance to observe them and, um, you know, watch them play and watch them learn. And, and you know, I had the opportunity to learn more about um, uh, how they're raised in the wild. Um, there are some super cute videos out there of mother raccoons dealing with their babies. And um, again, <laughs> I just had the idea and just started writing something down one day. And then I, um, when I finished it, I looked at it and I was like, Okay, 7,000 words. It's a, you know, standard short story. Um, and I think I sent it to some friends and they were like, oh, yeah, that's a chapter book and you should totally publish that. So, yeah. uh, so I did. Great. Uh, so, so how did that publishing process go? Uh, that was, it was a little bit tricky. Um, I, I queried probably 50 agents. Um, none of them were interested. Children's is a really hard market to break into, um, especially for something like a chapter book because it's, it kind of sits right in between picture books and middle grade, um, which seem to be the two biggest categories, um, other than young adult for, um, uh, for children's fiction. And so, um, so I started looking at small presses at that point. Um, I was part of a Facebook group for other small business owners um, that was run by a friend of mine. And on that group, I connected with a small publisher in Australia um, who invited me to, to send her my pitch. And so I did that. Um, I followed all of her guidelines. Um, I'm a big believer in following guidelines and, you know, doing things the right way and not assuming that just because you know somebody somewhere that, you know, you can get away with, uh, <laughs> with not following the guidelines. So I did that. Um, and, and she really, um, she liked the book. She wanted to pick it up. Um, we signed a contract and then, um, she, she ended up having some health issues in mid production and she had to, um, she had to scale back. Um, so the illustrations were already done. Um, I think she had done the layout by that point. And so basically, um, what she did was, uh, mentor me through the self publishing process. Um, so it's always like people ask me if it's self-published and I'm like, yeah, but it was, you know, good enough to be picked up by a small press. So, um, 
you know, I, it's, it's, it's doing okay. You know, it's, it's only a first book. Um, it's actually the first of a series that, um, you know, I'm looking at potentially crowdfunding, um, future books in the series because it is something that, um, I would like to use to educate people more on, on wildlife of all kinds, you know, not just raccoons, but also like, um, anything that's considered a nuisance. Um, you know, beavers would be another example. Um, coyotes, potentially foxes, you know, just sort of the, um, the critters that you see in your yard that a lot of people, um, you know, especially in a rapidly developing area like Greenville, um, are like, oh, my goodness, you know, my pets and my kids and, you know, my house and, and you know, just um, I don't want these creatures around. And it's like, well, first of all, you're on their land and they, you know, they're, they're going to find, um, you know, they're going to adapt. And um, second of all, they're really not that bad once you get to know them. Um, you know, they're they're only. Um, they're only truly destructive if, for instance, you trap a mother raccoon away from her kids. You know, yeah, she's going to tear your place apart coming back to, to come and look for them. Um, whereas if you evict her gently, um, you know, you can turn on bright lights up in the attic or um, play loud music or, um, you know, you can do the same thing with the opossums um, if you don't want them denning your in your backyard, um, which, you know, they eat ticks. So, like, why wouldn't you want them denning in your backyard? But um, I mean, there's all kinds of humane exclusion measures that you can take to get mothers to move their babies um, safely to some someplace else. And, you know, nobody has to get trapped or separated. Or, or, you know, destroyed or euthanized or anything like that. So that's that's sort of, um, you know, where I'm trying to go with the series is is just sort of um, educate people from the, the animal's point of view on, um, you know, what it takes to survive and um, sort of um, help children develop empathy towards those species. Great. So your other books that um, you've written on, on the more of the dark fiction and horror side, have those have you self-published those as well or have those go through another publisher? I am. I'm actually um, before I, I really get going self-publishing those. Um, I am trying to uh, get traction and sort of name recognition in the community by um, submitting to uh, like anthologies and mm-hmm. uh, magazines. And so um, um, I two of my novellas were picked up by Running Wild Press. Um, those are part of a series, actually, um, that uh, it, it's a little more of a dystopia than it is horror fiction. Um, I did recently have a short story picked up by Nose Touch Press. I was really excited about that one because it was a, sort of a contest and, and my story placed third. So um, the Asterisk Anthology is going to be out, um, I believe, in another couple weeks. Um, so um, so I am starting to, to see a little bit of that activity, and that's exciting to kind of get that um, validation and legitimacy. And um, right now I'm only writing short fiction. Uh, I don't have any novels going on. Um, I think the longest thing I've ever written is a novella. Um, and that's just largely because I don't have the brain capacity to write any more <laughs> than, um, you know, than that. Because, you know, I do have the day job and I do have kids and, and um, you know, just uh, trying to keep the, all of the details about a novel straight in my head wouldn't be too much to ask. So I'm um, I'm just focusing on short fiction for now. And it's so far, so good. Yeah. Okay, great. So with that, then, in your very busy schedule, do you have uh, like a set set of time that you set aside to do writing on certain days? Or, or how do you structure your day to allow you to get you know everything done that you need to get done? 
Uh, I am up really early in the morning. Um, most mornings I'm up by, um, at five, um, certainly by five thirty, um, unless I'm really wiped out and then I will give myself, you know, a morning to, to rest a little bit. But, um, for the most part, especially weekends, um, because my family sleeps in a lot longer on weekends, <laughs> that's a really good chunk of, of writing time. Um, you know, if I'm up before dawn, um, you know, I can just sit there with a cup of hot tea and nothing but silence and just work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's glorious. And, and it really, um, I find, sets the tone for the rest of the day. You know, if I've gotten my own creative projects out of the way, then um, it's it's a little bit easier to work on, um, you know, other people's uh, stuff for work. You know, just the uh, kind of the, the more um, the stricter uh, demands of, of um, you know, working for an organization and marketing. So. Um, you know, just having that outlet for myself is really, really important. Um, and then by evening, um, you know, my kids are home. They want to spend time with me. Um, I might do a little bit of my marketing um, at that time. You know, I might work on some images or a blog post or, um, you know, some social media type of stuff. But um, but generally the morning is, is my, my, my main writing time. Sure. What has been the number one thing for you that has helped your writing? Um, I think it would have to be making that commitment to that time in the morning. Um, you know, just deciding that, I mean, I used to hate early mornings. I was not a morning person for the longest time. Um, it's just really within the last few years. And I I think because that is the only time that I have available, um, you know, I just make it a priority. And so, um, it, it helps to, um, be thinking about it, um, before I go to bed, I'm like, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this, this and this with the story. And, and, you know, that usually helps to motivate me out of my warm bed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So when you're you're writing your stories, where do you pull your ideas from? Um, Kind of a variety. They tend to be fairly informed by place, Um, you know, places that I've gone to that have just struck me a certain way. Um, The one that I mentioned that's going to be in the uh, Nose Touch Press Mm -hmm. Asterisk Anthology um, actually was based on a um, a cornfield near my workplace in Canada um, out by my hotel. Um, So um, so there's that sort of thing. There's been, um, you know, a couple of others that um, that I've written that are sort of set around the the South Carolina area. Um, So there's that. um, And otherwise, otherwise, it'll just. it's a lot of times it's just a confluence of different ideas. Like I'll have an idea for a character, but I won't have anything to, you know, I, I don't have a situation to put them in until, you know, maybe a few weeks or a few months later, even um, when something else will just pop up and, and then it'll be like, Oh, I should do something with this character I thought of back then. So um, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get writer's block? And if yes, how do you push past it? Yeah, I do. Um, and I think a lot of it is because uh, the story is going in a direction that it, it probably shouldn't be going in. Um, it, and it takes a while to figure that out. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's um, you know, something isn't going right. And I, I find myself not wanting to work on it. Um, and then when that happens, I have to kind of 
nudge myself and remind myself, like, you know, this is a signal that um, that I've, I've taken a wrong turn somewhere and I have to go back and look at the story again. And sometimes I have to lay it aside entirely and work on something different. Um, that's happened a couple of times. Um, the uh, actually the, the first novella that I wrote for the, the Running Wild um, anthology um, was a, a, a classic case of that. I started that years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, it was going to be crime fiction. It was going to be a detective story. And I could never make it work right. I don't know why. Um, it, it, but when I thought of it as a dystopia, suddenly just everything clicked into place and I was able to, to write the whole thing and finish it um, successfully and, and um, have it published. So, um, you know, just sometimes it just takes thinking of a story in a different way, a different genre um, or, or just, you know, changing the setting or, or changing even just a character decision um, at, at some point in the story. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down to write, do you do you outline your ideas ahead of time or is it just what no. naturally organically no. comes? Oh. <laughs> I, I I so I was such an outliner <laughs> early on um, that, you know, I know some writers swear by it. I way overplanned, And, um, I, you know, I ended up with very like stiff characters and stiff plots and, and just, um, you know, bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. Um when I started writing just by the seat of my pants, um, that was where the magic happened um, because it was uh, a certain degree of discovery of, um, you know, like learning the characters as they went and having them surprise me um, in many cases and, and um, you know, just enjoying the process a whole lot more. Um, I will at times outline something out, um, you know, if I have an idea and my brain is just moving too fast ahead of, of the rest of me, um, you know, in the in the limited time that I have to write something, I'll, I'll, I might you know outline the next chapter or two, but um, that's generally as far as I go with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, in the early days when you were first submitting your your children's book, you know, um, being rejected as a as a writer is kind of par for the course. But how did you get over the fact of putting yourself out there for the first time, potentially, you know, receiving lots of criticism and pushing past that fear? Um, I mean, it's not just the children's book because I've experienced it with the short stories as well. Um, you know, I, I was kind of in a little bit of a slump right before I got the acceptance from, um, from running wild. And then again, from nose touch press, um, about the, the number of rejections that I was racking up. Um, you know, I think it, it certainly helped that, um, you know, back when I was writing my crime fiction, um, you know, I had a certain number of acceptances and, and, you know, I knew that I could still write. Um, you know, I, uh, had good feedback from other writers whose feedback I trusted, um, you know, just not in other words, not friends that were going to tell me what I wanted to hear, <laughs> but, um, you know, actual writers that, um, you know, like understood plot and pacing and character and all of that. And so um, so I knew I had something. Um, but, um, and I think that was really what, what carried me through is just, um, um, you know, kind of just wanting to see where it went and, and being willing to, uh, wait for as long as I needed to. Um, I think that's uh, a lot of times that's the, the key is like being willing to have that patience. Cause like you're, you feel a certain amount of like, um, you know, I wrote it, I really want to see it in print, but it, it really honestly 
it, this is going to sound trite because a lot of people say it, but it really honestly is a marathon rather than, you know, a sprint or a set of sprints. Yeah. Has your fiction writing uh, affected your professional day job writing in any way? Um, I have I have a product marketing uh, manager who would say definitely yes. I tend to be wordy <laughs> and tell way too much of a story. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think um, in that regard. So I have always found that fiction and um, and nonfiction have actually informed each other really, really well. Um, when I was freelancing um, and, and I had to stick to a word count, I had um, between 2000 and 2400 words that I had to stick to. And so, um, you know, I learned editing and and um, pacing and, and all of that. And then I was able to transfer that into my short stories and, and actually be able to successfully write short stories and, and have them be, um, you know, fully realized uh, as a result of, of the freelancing. And then in turn, being more descriptive in my um, in my article writing or, or um, in other regards. And so, um, you know, especially when I'm telling something like a case study where it's the story of how a customer uses the product, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely useful in that area, even if it is a little bit wordy at times. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So in 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 your career uh, and everything that you've done, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? Um I think that it would have to be um and it, I can't point to any one person uh that's ever given me this advice. I want to say that it's um it's come from, you know, multiple people and and um you know just sort of industry people, but it's just a Find work that doesn't feel like work. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, when you when you feel the kind of resistance that sort of just drags you down and, and starts to feel like it's it's, you know, killing little pieces of your soul a bit at a time, then it's probably time to find something new. Um, and so that's kind of been my guiding approach to work is, um, you know, if those jobs are, are starting to feel like kind of a drain, um, you know, find the one that that gives you energy, which is, you know, why I'm in a writing job now, um, you know, uh, as opposed to other marketing positions that I've held that really didn't um, uh, kind of, I don't know, stir my soul. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think um, and I and I think it's important. And I this is advice that I'm, you know, giving to your listeners is, is to have that creative outlet. Like if you are in that kind of job. Um, you know, just keep that one thing for yourself. Um, you know, just have that one little outlet that um, that you need to, to keep feeding you and sustaining you through, um, you know, whatever else you're going through. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, yeah, that actually that was that was very handy. Um, personally, I was laid off two years ago and writing that novella was was my anchor point um, mm -hmm. through this extremely difficult eight months of not being employed. So great. Well, yeah. Great. Krista, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and uh, and tell us about your story. I really appreciate it. If Pleasure. The, thank of you. course. <laughs> if the <laughs> listeners would like to read your writing and and potentially get in touch with you, what is the best way they can do to do that? Um, so I'm pretty much all over social media. Um, I do have a website, uh, uh, Krista 
with a ch m miller.com so that is two m's don't go to the website that's just kristamiller.com with one m it is not my site uh it's um i cannot claim any association to that whatsoever um so definitely use the two m's kristamiller.com um, and um my um my twitter is the same um Krista M. Miller, and then I think uh, my Facebook is author Krista Miller. Um, but my my website has all of my social media stuff on it, so um, okay. connect with you there. Great, and I will make sure I put a lot of those links in the show notes so listeners can just click right there. Perfect. Perfect, awesome. Well, Krista, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate it. Have a good thank evening. Thank you, Yuri. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.